Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, Mark Trichel here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of With Flying Colors. I'm flying solo again today, and I'm going to chat about the NCUA examination document of resolution or DOOR. That's D-O-R. So many of you have experienced getting a document resolution as part of your examination. Once upon a time, if you received a document or resolution, it meant that you could not be a code one because simply put, the examination would not quote unquote upload into NCOA system if it was a code one and it had a document of resolution. That ended at least back in 2013. Why do I say 2013? Well, in 2013, NCOA came out with a letter to credit unions 13-CU09, which means it was 2013, and 09 means it was the ninth letter of that year. That letter to credit unions is called the Examination Report Modernization, and it established the National Supervision Policy Manual, and it laid out changes to NCUA's examination report. Specifically, it puts a grid in the letter, and it talks about under the current, the old format prior to 2013, the document of resolution, it said, but it summarized it as examiners document agreed upon corrective actions plans in the document of resolution. Under the new document format, which has since changed, but I'll get into that, examiners will document and provide detailed support for problems meeting the door definition outlined in the NSPM or National Supervision Policy Manual and corresponding corrective actions. In the old definition, there's a reference to agreed upon corrective action. In the new document, there is not a reference to that. Does that mean that that the credit union doesn't need to agree? No, absolutely not. Even though they took that reference out, credit unions still need to agree. There still needs to be negotiation on what is a document of resolution when the due dates are due. That all is still part of what the interaction should include. And why do I say that? Well, the next level up from a document resolution is a letter of understanding and agreement. Emphasis on agreement. They only go down that road when they're more concerned with where the credit union is heading. And at that higher level, last step informal action, they have a reference to the word agreement. Therefore, that's proof. And if you find yourself negotiating with an examiner, that's what I would tell them. I would say, hey, the document resolution needs to be negotiated just like a LUA letter of understanding and agreement. Typically, that it won't even come to that, but I thought I would point that out here as I'm walking through the NCUA letter to credit unions on this topic. So the letter to credit unions since that point in time, it's still active. By the way, if you are looking at NCUA letter to credit unions on their website, it'll say whether the letters are active or inactive. If they're active, they still apply. And if they're active, the examiner can refer to them as part of their support for whatever it is they're asking or requiring of the credit union. All right. In the show notes, I will have a link to this letter to credit unions. I will also have a link to the current link for the National Supervision 
and policy manual. The National Supervision Policy Manual is hundreds of hundreds of pages. It's essentially the examiner guide or over supersedes the examiner's guide that's out there on the website. And it's chock full of information. There are many pages on the document resolution. A couple of these I want to highlight. Page 222 is where the document of resolution topic starts. And it states, problems included in a door must be significant enough that an examiner would recommend escalating to the next level of elevated enforcement action. For example, an RDL, which is a regional director letter, or a LUA, the letter of understanding, which I previously mentioned. For failure to correct the problem, door items are those that management must begin to address immediately or within a compressed timeframe due to the risk associated with the problem. A door must be concise, describe a problem, including all supporting facts. And by the way, that's where you should be able to negotiate to make sure that you're comfortable with the facts. The facts are the facts. If they want to put opinion in there, you need to push back to make sure that the facts are properly summarized and outline the corrective action necessary to, re to, to resolve it. It also goes on to say, sometimes a problem may take significant time to be resolved. In such an instance, a credit union must initiate action to address the item quickly, even if it may take a year or more to fully resolve the problem or comply with the corrective action. So they require immediate action, but it may be long-term action is essentially what those two paragraphs say in concert. There is a clause that says, in cases of unforeseen circumstances, such as a disaster or pandemic, exam staff should be flexible and reasonable with door corrective action item frames and follow-up. Quite frankly, while it makes a reference to disaster and pandemic, they should be reasonable and flexible in pretty much every situation, particularly if you get see yourself getting a document or resolution as a code two or even a code three, they should be flexible and reasonable. You start slipping down the continuum of camel codes to a code four or heaven help us, a code five, then you're going to see them being less flexible and less reasonable. And then in a code four, code five is when uh, 99 times out of 100, you're also going to see an accompanying regional director letter or a letter of understanding, which I mentioned previously. The Section in the new National Supervision Policy Manual on document resolutions also goes on to specifically reference unsafe and sound practices. And it states that the Federal Credit Union Act gives the NCUA the ability to terminate insurance for unsafe and unsound practices. By the way, how many times has NCUA terminated insurance since the Federal Credit Union Act provided for that option? The answer is zero. It's a heavy hammer, but they've never ever used it. And the reason they don't use it is there are other administrative actions that they can do that are much quicker. And if there is an unsafe and unsound practice that's going to cost the insurance fund money, NCUA wants to move quickly so that it can mitigate those losses. And quite frankly, the due process, if, if you will, on the termination of insurance is far too elongated for it to be really an effective tool. So while they they threaten it, and all reality is a veiled threat. They're not going to do that. They're going to conserve or they're going to take a cease and desist order or something along those lines. And by the way, there's only roughly on average about three conservatorships in the country 
every year. So that's rare. And not only is uh, termination of insurance rare, it's never actually gone to fruition and never occurred. Anyway, I digress. Well, it goes on to state, while a door may not lead to termination of insurance, that's correct, it won't, and it never has. The act implies that credit unions must operate in a safe and sound manner as a condition of insurance. Section 741.3 of NCUA's regulation also requires credit unions to operate in a safe and sound manner as a condition of insurance. So this is on page 222 of the National Supervision Policy Manual. I did a blog on unsafe and unsound. I'll probably do a separate podcast on that. But one of the key words here, one of the operative words in that paragraph is that the, where is it here? That the act implies that credit unions must operate in a safe and sound manner. It's not all that clear that it says that, but NCUA's position is that their legal opinions and their general counsel indicates that that's the case. And that's again, covered in a, that's, that's a whole nother topic on safe and sound. But what's the key point on a document resolution? NCUA is going to cite to a regulation They may cite to a um, guidance that's come out from FFIEC. They are going to cite NCUA letter to credit unions. And if they can't fit the issue that they're dealing with UI into any of those categories, they're going to cite safety and soundness. And it's this paragraph that references the Federal Credit Union Act, implying that credit unions must operate in a safe and sound manner as their hook, if you will, that allows them to take that position on safety and soundness. So what happens if you find yourself getting a document or resolution? Well, you need to negotiate it. You need to be comfortable with it. As, as one of my clients has said, every time I interact act with NCUA, I have to decide if I'm going to go along to get along. Sometimes you may find yourself not necessarily believing there's an issue, but you realize that in order to make NCUA comfortable, that you will agree to take some actions. And more often than not, an exam examiner is very reasonable in this regard and will only raise something to the level of a document resolution if it truly actually needs to be there. Now, in that regard, the NSPM on page 226 goes into some specifics and, and gives some color, some really good color on, on what should or shouldn't be in a document resolution. And and I'm going to recite some of this because it's that important and that clear. And if you find yourself in the middle of an examination and you find yourself wondering what should be in a document resolution, well, it's on page 226. And and here's what it says. Under content criteria, it says problems requiring immediate attention that examiners will address in a document resolution include systemic, recurrent, or willfully negligent compliance violations. By the way, I'm not sure how anybody really comes up with willfully, right? Because really, how do they know what your intent is? However, it's here in the in the guide. And number two, BSA violations in accordance with the agreement between NCUA and FinCEN. So if you find that you've got a document or resolution on anything related to Bank Secrecy Act, you will not be able to negotiate that out of a document of resolution. With one caveat, if they have the facts wrong, you may be able to get it out of the document resolution. But assuming the facts they report are the facts, because they have an agreement with FinCEN, uh, that is almost sacrosanct. It is an item that will definitely be 
in your document of resolution. And if there's a repeat finding in that, more likely than not, you'll find yourself elevated to a letter of understanding and agreement. I would say credit unions have done an amazingly good job on Bank Secrecy Act because they know that NCUA takes it serious and because they know that how important it is in the financial systems to prevent terrorism and the criminality, if you will. Number three, unsafe or unsound practices that reasonably threaten a credit union's stability. So that's where the unsafe and unsound discussion comes in. Now, if if you find yourself with a finding that cites unsafe and unsound, you need to look at the words that reasonably threaten a credit union's stability. If I was trying to negotiate myself with NCUA and I wanted something to not be in a document or resolution and I wanted it to be in an examiner finding, that might be my point of emphasis. That doesn't really threaten the credit union stability. If not, it probably can be moved to an examiner finding, which is always where you'd want something to be as opposed to a document or resolution. The fourth item, unsafe or unsound practices that are any action or lack of action that, if left uncorrected, may result in substantial loss or damage to a credit union or its members, including but not limited to operating with an inadequate level of net worth or capital for the type, quality, and concentration of assets held, engaging in lax lending or collection practices that include but are not limited to extending inadequately secured credit, originating credit without obtaining current financial information, extending credit without adequate controls, extending credit with inadequate diversification of risk. So a lot of loan related items right there. And early on it referenced net worth or capital. Obviously, if you find yourself having any sniff of prompt corrective action applying, you're going to find yourself with a document of resolution. And if you have concentration risks that create risk-based capital concerns, of course, you'd have to be large and have to have that apply to you. You might find yourself in the document of resolution arena, even though you have capital over well-capitalized. It goes on, operating without adequate liquidity, operating without adequate internal controls, failure to keep accurate books and records, This includes an accounting and control structure that does not provide for accurate, full, and fair disclosure of financial statements, which may lead to or mask severe financial problems. All right, failure to keep accurate books and records. If you have accounting problems, NCUA, I would say, has a zero tolerance to accounting problems. This is right up there with Bank Secrecy Act as far as the seriousness of how NCUA will treat problems. You have accounting problems, you're going to get a document resolution or something higher, particularly the more material material and long-going those accounting problems are. So obviously, reconciling your corporate accounts timely. If that's not happening, I would be shocked if you didn't get a document resolution. And then if they've been going on for a longer period of time and there's potential losses related to that, definitely you're going to see yourself with a document of resolution. It also talks about masking financial problems. So without saying it to me, that's what's your allowance for loan loss. Are you charging off loans timely? Because if you don't charge the loans off timely, it's going to impact your loss ratio. If it impacts your loss ratio, it's going to impact your net worth. So that's what they mean in that item. It goes on, operating without a credit risk management program, commensurate with the types of credit extended to the membership, operating without an asset liability risk management process commensurate with the complexity of the balance sheet. And finally, inadequate corporate governance, which becomes more and more of an issue in credit union examinations every year. The corporate governance side of things, the bigger you get, 
the more they push that, in particular, if you're assigned to the Office of National Examination and Supervision, becomes an even more important piece of the examination. And I suspect that that will continue to trickle down. In some of my previous episodes, I've talked to the fact that Todd Harper has said things like, in his view, he believes they need a large credit union program within the regions. I suspect that will continue to trickle down to lower and lower levels, requiring more and more corporate governance and board reporting to the board to make sure that the governance is being handled as NCUA would feel appropriate. So when determining whether a problem qualifies as a door, examiners will consider the following. If left unresolved, could the violation or problem cause the credit union serious financial or operational damage? Does the problem result in fundamental non-compliance with laws and or regulations? Typically speaking, oftentimes NCUA's examiners will say, well, it's a violation of a regulation, therefore it needs to be a document of resolution. When they say that, they're referring to this portion of the examiner guide, or excuse me, the National Supervision Policy Manual. And that's their hook, again, for saying that a, a regulation violation should be in a document of resolution. Although I have seen some more seasoned examiners being willing to put that in an examiner finding. Is the problem something that would need to be escalated to the next level of enforcement action if unresolved? Now, earlier on, that was a key tenant and one of the only tenants of what should be a document of resolution, that if you didn't comply, that the next step would be a letter of understanding. That's something that was a, a litmus test, if you will, on whether or not something should rise to the level of a document of resolution. If it doesn't, that means it's not that material. And if it's not that material, does it really need to be in a document of resolution? Is the problem a result of management's inability or unwillingness to properly identify, measure, monitor, and control risk? So, you know, that's a, that's a catch-all that can be, that can fit just about anything. And is the problem widespread throughout the credit union? So what, what could that mean? Lack of corporate governance could be something that's, that's widespread, not, not having corporate governance over ALCO, not having corporate governance over lending, not having corporate governance over liquidity, for example, all those things. If it's a widespread problem, it's going to get elevated to a document of resolution, or if they believe it's a, a widespread problem. All right. Document of resolution. If you find yourself in discussions where you're having this for the first time or the second time or the third time, remember, you can negotiate with NCUA. They should be willing to make sure that A, the facts are right, and that B, that what they are proposing Makes sense because sometimes I've seen, and this could particularly happen in information system type situations, uh, they throw everything but the kitchen sink saying you need to mitigate and remove every risk. And that's not the reality. At some point in time, cost comes into play. How much money needs to be spent to resolve a problem just to satisfy NCUA? You need to make sure that you and your board are comfortable with those requirements. And if they're saying you need to do 45 things on information systems to make sure that nothing ever possibly ever could ever go wrong, that's not accurate. You need to assess which of those make sense to mitigate your risks. Of course, you need to comply with regulations. And by the way, NCUA has a at their board meeting coming up in a couple of days, they have an item on reporting, reporting of hacks and different things that happen to you. What's going to happen? That's going to bring bring NCUA closer to what's going on with FDIC and what's being asked by the Biden administration. I'll have a separate podcast potentially 
Anyway, back to document resolution, a little bit of, of a tangent there. You need to be comfortable with what it is that they're telling you you need to do and you need to spend. Now, that doesn't mean you can just say, no, I'm not going to do that because I can't afford it. However, at some point in time, you could be throwing good money after bad. All right. Well, I'm going to be doing more of these individual examination topic podcasts coming up. So if you find yourself having questions about document resolutions, feel free to reach out. The intro and the outro of the podcast will give you a little bit of information relative to that. I hope you are having a great summer and I appreciate you listening and giving me your time here today. And I hope you will listen to future episodes of With Flying Colors. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 